0: I know what I'm going to do I'm going to shoot rabbits Because I'm the fucking king That's why What else would I be doing In a time of war?
1: Yeah I mean It's, it's an often told story This isn't it Of the sort of um, Innocence And all the confidence of, of young men Going to war Lommy green ends Greenens green ends <laughs> Only ever steals
0: vegetables But he steals them like a pro Hello governor <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Shark Liver Royals' read-through of George R. R. Martin's A Clash of Kings. This one is called What is Dead May Never Die. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. So um, if you're coming to us fresh for the first time, what we're doing is we're breaking down this book into 10 parts, which roughly run in line with the series. But this is just about the book, George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones A Clash of Kings um if you are watching the series at the same sort of time then there will be a lot of overlapping and um I'd, I'd advise watching watching all of the series before listening to our read through. Can we mention because that this is
0: this is series 2 we're doing at the moment. It's book 2 which goes with series 2.
1: Yeah, so it's yeah. Um I mean it, ideally you'll you'll have watched series 2 and you, and you'll be reading this along with us or you'll just be reading the book and you're not interested in the TV series at all. Those are the two ideal things to be happening here. But if you're sort of worrying about spoilers for Series 2, then um, I'd be quite careful what <laughs> you listen to <laughs> here. Maybe watch Series 2 before you uh, before you listen to it. Now I've managed to try and put off most people. <laughs> shall we get <laughs> shall we get into this next part? Let's. We're reading from page 207 to 342 today. So the next chapter is about Tyrion. And... Uh, Well, this is quite... I mean, not a great deal happens in this chapter. It's one of these ones where it's sort of setting up pieces and just moving them around the board. Um, There's this new rumour that that, um, I think Littlefinger decides that they should make when the Small Council meets. They've met to talk about this, the fact that Stannis has been sending all these letters out to all over the country saying that Joffrey's a bastard, (laughs) literally. (laughs) (laughs) which is true Um, and they're going to respond by um, spreading a lie which is that Shireen which is uh, Stannis' daughter isn't actually his and um, her real father is, do you remember that fool that she's always knocking about with called Patchface? (laughs) Yeah (laughs) This is like a real mudslinging war now isn't it?
0: Can you think of a, a character it would be more humiliating to be to be cuckolded by than Patchface.
1: No. No. There's
0: not a single one, is there? In this book no. full of extremely unpleasant characters, Patchface is <laughs> is down there. Yeah. Sort of, I mean and it also <laughs> invites rather unpleasant images, doesn't it? It's sort of, you know, Lady Lady Stannis, uh whatever her name is, and and this sort of capering, gesturing like patchwork faced <laughs> fool who only ever talks in rhyme about things that happen under the sea and you just you don't want to imagine that as pillow talk do you
1: no exactly it would be uh it would be horrendous (laughs) it would be hellish (laughs) (laughs) do do you know what this reminded me of it reminded me of do do you the thick of it. it's a political um political satire yeah and um, one of the political advisors at one point they get into this sort of mudslinging war and he says uh This is a bucket of shit. If someone throws shit at us, we throw shit back at them. We start a shit fight. We throw so much shit back at them. They can't pick up shit. They can't throw shit. They can't do shit. (laughs) And that's just exactly what Think is trying to do here. (laughs) Just throw an absolute bucket of shit back at at Stannis. That's really funny. I wish the finger had said that. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think actually, Game of Thrones, all of this kind of small council <laughs> stuff, is immeasurably improved from its already high point by um, thinking of it in terms of the thick of it quotes. <laughs> I mean, the only thing it's missing is a Malcolm Tucker character, isn't well, it?
1: Exactly. Can you um, imagine? That would be amazing. The medieval I don't think there's Malcolm who Tucker quite <laughs> quite matches up to that here, isn't there? there? Um, <laughs> Because because Malcolm Tucker isn't allowed to use weapons, he uses his sort of swear words as an offensive weapon. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, well, whereas uh,
0: here people just have swords and kill each other instead.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, there's a couple of other things with Tyrion in this chapter. He's got this squire called Pod, who we've spoken to, we've spoken about before, um, who's a bit crap, and um, Tyrion's got a bit of a soft spot for because he's, he's rubbish and a bit of an outcast. <laughs> um, it, it turns out that he was given to him by Tywin as another sort of little slight. Oh, was and, uh, he? Yeah. Mm. And he's kind of just using it to his advantage as best he can, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so do you suppose also- that
0: Tywin's... Is it a slight or is Podrick like the best undercover spy there ever was? <laughs> Can you imagine James Bond of sort of like, instead of being the guy who goes in and is like, Hi, I'm here to do a business deal because I'm extremely <laughs> suave and important and uh, very high status, instead being the guy who's like the really, really shit drink server at the tennis club? <laughs> you know, you, where the supervillain plays. Isn't it?
1: Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on this because it's not clear what it, where it's going. This Tyrion's got the um, armourers, all the master armourers in the city who are normally building, you know, who are normally making really intricate and expensive breastplates yeah. to create a massive chain, and um, why? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, that is an excellent question, and I think you, me, and everybody else reading along with this book wonders that exact same thing, because there's no explanation <laughs> for it. We've not come across a chain before. We've no idea where a chain could be, could be significant. Um, mm and it's like it's quite crude work isn't it so he's one of the one of the um the blacksmiths at the time says look you can't i'm not doing this i make fine filigree i'm a i'm the fucking pastry chef of armorers you can't ask me to do this this is <laughs> this is this isn't even meat and two veg it's just veg
1: <laughs> yeah but he's um he's very he's very clear in his desire isn't he Tyrion? Yeah. he threatens to have them uh, Terrible things done to them if they don't comply. Yeah. So it um, looks like it's going to happen. The, the other thing is, um, we find out how he's, uh, he's planning to seize Shea, and it's through this elaborate sort of hiding place. This is better than, in this series, the way he, he just seems to bring Shea along to the Tower of the Hand and, and then, then nobody finds out and about and it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is, he's a bit more finessed in the book because he basically goes to a brothel. And then goes through a secret door in a room in a brothel, and then gets on a horse and travels across town to this little mansion, which is um, in the middle of like it's part of sort of hiding in plain sight, isn't it? And finds her there. And you've got to love the sight of a you know
0: a, a, of a secret passageway in a fantasy novel like this. Oh yeah, it's just yeah. It, you know it's an oldie but a goodie.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's bread and butter and it? it's belt and braces. Belt and braces right? <laughs> fantasy. There we go. <laughs> Um, but to to set this kind of thing up, he needs to trust someone, and he's decided to go along with Varys. Probably as much for the fact that Varys is going to find out anyway.
0: Well, that's true because Varus has got people everywhere. So, you know, I think I, I thought this was really really weird, and actually contains a lot of potential for future sort of drama because Tyrion's mm-hmm. like in, an incredibly gifted political operator. You know, he knows yeah. what's what he can protect himself from all angles you know he's he's got his people in place um Mm -hmm. and and it's it's this impregnable fortress of political strength but for the fact that it involves trusting Varys which is sort of Mm -hmm. like building a castle and then not building a back like the back wall just have it all facing (laughs) forwards and then have like a 20 foot wide gap in the back just big enough to ride a couple of war horses through it's like why would you do
1: that yeah, or just having a really strong castle and putting someone who you're not—I mean, he says I'm not sure if you're my best friend or my worst enemy. It's um, like—but <laughs> I'll trust you anyway. <laughs> in charge of the posting gate. <laughs> 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 uh, anyway. Yeah, but, but actually, Varys says the same when um, when Tyrion says that that I don't know whether you're my best friend or worst enemy. Varys says I feel the same way about you, and I think there's a mutual, if not. Trust, mutual respect there between the two of them.
0: Yeah, or at the very least, a mutual recognition that they don't necessarily need to be enemies. And like, yeah. whereas, like most, a lot of the other kind of, um, you know, this sort of devious threesome, if, if you'll forgive me the phrase, like uh, mm. in uh, in the small council of of have, have, um, Varys, um, wicker wicker Grandmaster Pycelle, and. <laughs> <laughs> It's still not old, and um, and Littlefinger, um, you know their enmity seems to come as standard between them. You know what mm. I mean? Like they're all working against each other because they're all going for big power. And I think Varys and Tyrion both recognise that they don't. They could each do without an extra front on which to be fighting a war. And so there's a kind of it's not an alliance, but it's a bit more than a truce.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: interesting, but but then of course that just means that it's just even when it goes to shit, as it inevitably will, it'll be even more dramatic.
1: <laughs> the, the next chapter is about Bran, and uh, this is uh, a few of the uh, a few of the lords who are still behind all the, What remains of the the great houses in the North um, are coming over to Winterfell. Um, I think we find out later it's for a, uh, the Harvest Festival. And um, we see a few of them. Lord Wyman, Manderley, um, the big fat guy who lives in White Harbour, he turns oh, yeah. up um, and to say hello. And uh, he he offers to build a fleet uh, for um, for, for Rob. Yeah. Yeah, um, and also he makes a few offers, and he says, i oh, um, you know, we're happy to start print, uh, minting coins for Rob as well." Yeah. Um. The, but the, uh, the thing is, Bran and uh, Master Lewin don't seem um, comfortable with making those kind of decisions at the moment. They think they're the kind of things that Rob should be deciding, but he's not here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, well, and this whole chapter actually is full of like, like quite intricate politics. Mm, yeah, and, uh, it's really interesting. It really is. But man, I had to go back through it with a pen and paper to make sure I followed it all because I had a strong sense <laughs> that everything that was spoken about in this chapter was going to become really important. You know, so with Sir Wyman, it's things like, okay, why does he want to mint coins? Because if you control mm-hmm. the coin, then you're a very, very powerful person. And if you yeah. control the fleet, then you're a very, very powerful person. Um, yeah. So is that, you know, does he have, is he harboring designs against um against Rob, like um well, like Ballen Greyjoy seems to be or he, or is, there a, is this kind of just extreme loyalty or
1: yeah you know he mentions he also mentions Mandeley that um Tywin uh, Lannister has has sent him a letter um offering um because he's, he's got Tywin Blanster captured one of uh, Mandelie's sons mm. in the do you know the battle which they sacrificed a load of men mm. and um, Tywin's offered him um, and a lot of other incentives to come over to his to, to switch sides and mm. Mandalys said that he's not going to do that well um, and isn't he indeed and, <laughs> and he's come to he's come to Winterfell sa- saying you know this is what I've been offered yeah. and obviously I'm not going to take it and, I, and I'm going to throw him a weight behind you. He's not. He's not inconsiderable weight behind. Um, <laughs> you can imagine if he'd actually
0: used that phrase, everybody's eyes just for a moment going very wide. Just uh, the, yeah. the very thought of it.
1: <laughs> so I mean, it can be read two ways. This either Manderley is um, fiercely loyal to uh, Winterfell mm. and is just showing how much so here, or he's um, he's more of a canny political operator, and he's saying, look i'm being attempted with these things over here obviously i'm not gonna accept sort of yeah raising his eyebrows but saying you're gonna you know, basically the message behind the message is you need to show me some support here so um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that i'm picking the right side
0: yeah oh and he, yeah i mean it could even be more naked than that couldn't it he? He's just like look i've been offered this what have you got mm. you know make mm. me the master of coin make me the head of the fleet Mm. Um, yeah, and so I wonder if if turning him down is going to turn out to be a wiser or a foolish move.
1: Well, yeah, he's obviously someone who's very interested in expanding his power because yeah. there's also this issue, and um, the the second big political issue in this chapter is about the Hornwoods. Um, now these are, these own some lands in be- I think it's in between uh, White Harbour, which is the Mandarleys, mm. and the Dreadfort, <laughs> which surprise surprise is the Bolton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's the greatest
0: name for the, a, a seed. The, Dread the fort. Dreadfort. Honest <laughs> I mean, who comes up with a name like that? Like, especially other places <laughs> in the in the country called like High Garden. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah. And this one is just the
1: Fort. <laughs> 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 if you're going to pick a castle where you flay your enemies alive oh, it's probably lord. going to be the dreadfort can you,
0: be ima- can you imagine being born into the Bolton family and becoming <laughs> lord of the dreadfort and actually being just a much more sort of scholarly type who quite likes cross stitch
1: <laughs> once again if you're, um, if you're one of the sort of men at arms and you're chatting to all the other men at arms You'd um you'd feel like you could really have a bit of swagger if your sigil is a flayed man <laughs> and your uh, capital is the dreadful Dreadfort <laughs> Oh compared, <dear>. to <laughs> compared to some guy who's uh you know, got a tree for his sigil and his his place, is think it's Deepwood Mott. Oh no that's the glovers. So you got you got a glove for a sigil and yeah. your 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 main place is called Deepwood Mott. Um, just yeah, uh, feel a little inferior yeah he's,
0: uh, you know you would just be like oh as he walked into the bar again, all right <laughs> i'll buy him a drink <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so the the area between those two big um castles is um is run by it's, it's called uh it was, it's run by the hornwoods, mm. and um both the the lord and his son have both been killed in the war. So um, Lady Holmwood is kind of on her own now, and there's this, there are these sort of power plays to see who's going to take over that seat effectively. So Manderley is saying he wants to marry um, Lady Holmwood now, and a couple of other people are putting their claims in, mm. and it's just one of those examples of the problem with this sort of line of succession... Even below the king level is, as we've seen before, this vacuum of power. Yeah. And even on a local level, when that happens, when you lose the lord and, and the immediate heir, you've got to scramble for people trying to pick up pick up the pieces. Then.
0: Yeah, it's not a shining advert for um, feudalism as a way of running things, is it? If it's no. possible, just just in a world where people died easily and all the time, for the if the wrong person dies, that means there has to be a war like surely you have to have a more peaceful way of carrying on business than that but
1: apparently not (laughs) no exactly um also um another person who seems to be thinking about taking over there is uh the guy who's um in charge of the dreadfort at the moment and it's this it's this bastard um, it's one of it's Roose Bolton's bastard called the bastard of Bolton the bastard and, of Bolton um, <laughs> it, yeah good, that's that's, uh,
0: that's Peter Kay's next move into gritty <laughs> drama isn't it the bastard of Bolton
1: <laughs> yeah I, I, it sounds like some like tough tackling Bolton Wanderers defender doesn't it It does
0: doesn't it he's <laughs> no he's not a defender I'll tell you what it is it's Kevin Nolan
1: it's Kevin Nolan <laughs> <laughs> the bastard of Bolton um, but yeah, he's um, he hasn't come to um, to Winterfell, but he's, he seems to be putting an army together, and um, there's a bit of concern in the north about that. And uh, it, I don't know; it, it just it doesn't. It sounds like a bit of a bum note, doesn't it? Yeah, um, there seems to be a general general consensus that this guy isn't really particularly trustworthy.
0: Yeah, there's a strong sense, isn't there, of of the Boltons kind of like. It seems to me like having the Boltons in your army or in your force and and thinking of them as allies is a bit like pitching your tent over a snake's nest. uh, Because you you are very vulnerable to this sort of... um, uh, you know, this sort of, oh, I'm not responsible for what my bastard son may be doing with his massive army down there and an otherwise <laughs> undefended and extremely wealthy lordship. I'm sure I've got nothing to do with that. Anyway, here's to your <laughs> fealty, my lord. Like, it's, he's just, yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's they strike me as the kind of guys who are, they're very good to have, um, they follow power and they're very good to have us on side. Yeah. Because they're quite dangerous Opponents aren't they? Mm-hmm. As we've seen with Roose Bolton and um, and his his feigned attack on Tywin Lannister, yeah, they're, they're good at doing the uh, get, getting the, the the bad stuff done. Getting it like. done, it's like, yeah. It's like um, do you know um, politicians, or even if you want to look like like mobsters, when you have a henchman, <laughs> they're, they're a really good henchmen because they've got no scruples at all. All right. So so Bran goes to um, in the part part way through this chapter, he goes to the Godswood to pray um he, he likes oh actually sorry halfway through this chapter he goes to the Godswood and he likes to sort of hang around here and um, it's his favorite place to be in the castle and it's because it's the place his dad used to come to pray and um I thought that's just it's just a, I love these parts of the book were very very short but little links between characters and really humanizes them and you can imagine this this would be why if you're you know if you're a young if you're, if you're just a little boy really and um and you've lost your dad you'd You'd want to sort of keep some kind of connection, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, 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 that's true. So it's quite it's quite heart this and all the way through this chapter he's mm. you know, he's doing this playing the Lord thing and he does it very well actually. But mm. um but you know, you have this interlude where he's just you know he's a nine year old boy whose father's just been killed. Mm. And you know, it is it is very sad, and I quite like that in the middle of all this politics you've got this very human kind of point.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I think the o- the only other thing to say about this chapter just go- going back to a few of the other Bannermen who are turning up or sort of um the what remains of the the Bannermen after the the sort of the main force have gone south the uh the two other main umbers from the north you know you've got the great john yeah. um who's fighting with rob his brothers um <laughs> come down to see to see bran and um they they just well one of them is is called horse Bane and um no no one will tell Bran why but I mean oh, the name I explains itself. Yeah. And uh, the other one's called Moore's Crow Food. And the reason it's called Crow Food is um a crow when he was younger pecked out his eye yeah. and um and he grabbed it and bit its head off. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. That's amazing.
0: now that's rock and roll that never mind biting the head off a bat in a press conference or whatever it was Ozzy Osbourne did no 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 (laughs) bite the head off the crow that's just blinded you (laughs)
1: <laughs> and this may be a good example of why the uh, why the Starks can command the loyalty of people like the Bolton's, mm. because um, if they act up, they'll set the umbers on. Them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pre-
0: actually that is that is a fairly sort of route one to hedging the risk of having all these different <laughs> warring lords under your command is because if you've got the Great John on side, yeah, then like, who else is going to mess? Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> It's like the thing, actually, is do you reckon, is the Great John Rob's version of um, the mountain? You know, what the mountain is to Tywin Lannister, the Great John is to Robb. I think he
1: is. Yeah, I think you're right. He's one of these just renowned, vicious fighters, isn't he?
0: Yeah, and you're not going to mess. And yeah. is the, although I do wonder how the mountain would respond if somebody, in order to gain his loyalty, had his fingers chewed off.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. carry on. I get I, I get the feeling he just wouldn't say anything and maybe just kill him and he's... Ugh. I don't know, actually. It's, it's impossible to say, isn't it? It is.
0: It, well, it's impossible to say anything <laughs> about the mountain because he just chooses yeah. the most psychopathic course of action and add extra bodies to it. That's what the mountain would do.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, the difference between the Great John and the mountain in that the way they're presented, the Great John seems like a sort of decent guy overall, even though he's this very rough and ready and quite frightening bloke. Yeah. Um but I wonder if it's just the way that they're presented rather than what they're like.
0: I, I think because it is. I think you need I mean because the mountain is too good a character, you know, too good a hate-worthy character not to hate. Hmm. Um and yeah, we've very carefully been shown the great john we've very carefully not been shown the great john doing the things that many many soldiers do. Hmm. Um I mean, for example, I noticed that we've had several scenes where, um, on the Lannister side of things, you know, there's been much talk, talk of um, like of of rape and horrendous assault and just totally immoral, um, bastard-like behaviour. And Mm. the only thing we've got of the men under Rob's command is the fact that because we, you know, because we did a bit of reading on the Boltons and found out what they're. How Sigil is, but even that hasn 't mm. really been pointed out in the text it 's just in the back yeah. in the appendix, so yeah. you know you could at this point very easily be like stark's good guys Lannister's bad guys
1: yeah, I suppose it could be just a case of that they 've got a stronger sort of even for all the fact that you 've got the more knights in the in the south there 's a stronger code of of honor and, and what to do in battle in the in the north, but we shall see hmm.
0: yeah, yeah well I mean that. That would be very
1: interesting to see. Maybe they've got some kind of medieval version of the Geneva Convention going on. That would be quite a trick, wouldn't it? Can <laughs> you imagine,
0: but it would be toned down, wouldn't it? It'd be like it'd be it would be seen as horribly liberal, but that's because it would say that you have to stop torturing people after two days, or <laughs> yeah. you know, you, yeah, you have to occasionally feed low-born prisoners. <laughs> S- slippery slope. End of warfare as we know it. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: Yeah. I suppose um I suppose Daenerys was doing a sort of one woman Geneva convention after the uh yeah. that, when that Lamb men was were being put yeah. to the sword. Worked out for her, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um the the other a couple of other people here, uh the Glovers, uh, there's a couple of those have gone uh, south to fight with Rob. And it seems that the person who who's really ruling that area at the moment is the steward. Mm. Um and he's putting a lot of faith in a hedge wizard, who's just sort of just this. Yeah. I mean, Master Luin can, cannot contain his contempt <laughs> for that, because <can> he? <laughs> he's absolutely the opposite of uh, the kind of person who'd be into that kind of stuff.
0: Do you know what? Do you um, know what the hedge wizard made me think of? Is go on. first of all, I like the word hedge as a way of saying rubbish. Like they got yeah. hedge knights as well, haven't they? Hedge wizards and hedge yeah. knights are, are wankers who are just pretending, they don't really yeah. know what they're doing. Um, sure. And um, what I loved about the hedge wizards, I was I was kind of re- thinking about the concept, and I realised. Do you know that episode of Blackadder II where he goes to see the wise woman? Oh yeah, it's it's <laughs> her. She, uh, the um, wise woman. The wise woman. Two things <laughs> must you know of the wise, you know, and she just comes up with all sorts of bollocks. Yeah. Um, and it's it's exactly that. It's it, a hedge wizard is the wise
1: woman from Blackadder. <laughs> that's a good point do you know what the what's the difference between a hedge knight and a sellsword then
0: Um, I think it's a hedge knight has got more pretensions a sellsword is just a mercenary it's just like if you pay me I will fight when you stop paying me I will leave whereas I I think a hedge knight has more of a sense of pretending to be chivalrous and he's he's kind of like no milady you know he's the sort of I don't know what the right what the, what the right kind of parallel to draw is. It's the sort of person who really desperately wants to be rich but isn't. Um, yeah. or desperately wants to be upper class but isn't and still acts like, uh, Hyacinth Bouquet. There we go. There's mm. a there's a British sitcom reference. Keeping up appearances <laughs> is um, yeah. Hedge Knights are the Hyacinth Bouquet of uh, of Westeros.
1: So I suppose that they're the sort of the knighted version of a sellsword. So sellswords are sort of like your men at arms who will fight for anyone, and yeah. hedge knights are your knights who will fight for anyone. Yeah.
0: Well, I wonder if they've actually been knighted. No, oh, yeah. so they
1: just so they're just I w- yeah, honestly. I think they
0: knighted. might just be like yeah, just putting it on, just hmm, being okay. like you know. I I command a ten percent higher fee when I'm not not just a sellsword but a hedge
1: knight. <laughs> you, you know what? I bet it's I bet it's both. I bet there are some yeah. genuine knights yeah. who are selling the service. So I suppose technically, Sejora is a hedge knight. Mm. Then actually, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, he or is. He, or is he? Or is he a hedge lord? A hedge <laughs> he's lord. Actually a little, he's actually a lord, isn't he? He is. Although um, he he's been banished. Yeah, 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 anyway, yeah. We, we we digressing, are not we? Yes. Um, the the other thing, the other people oh, the Tall Hearts, you know I was sort of semi allied to these guys. We picked you picked the Karstarks and I picked Steve I Bolton Stroke Tall Tall Hearts. Yeah. Um and they've done nothing so far and they've been a bit <laughs> of a non event. Well I was gonna ask you about that. Well, we've got uh, we've got something that they're doing. The Benfred Tollhart, who's the sort of heir to, to that area. He's um sorry he's listen, listen, no, don't take the piss. Listen, he's <laughs> he's, <Carry laughs> he's raising a com- a company of like young young men, like young soldiers. Yeah. They're called the wild hares. um, because they, <laughs> That's uh, not much they bear, have rabbit skins it? Yeah, rabbit skins tied to the end of the lances. Yeah. But they've seen this like this small fighting force that are eager for, for glory. Mm. And I just thought, brilliant! I'm gonna, you know, it's going to be quite interesting to see if they I hope they do something interesting. Yeah, um, that would be excellent. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, finally, the totally Finally, they turn up to the party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and the final one, uh, Clay Serwin, who um, I think it's Serwin, C E W, R Y N.
0: I would have thought Kerwin.
1: Or oh, Kerwin. Okay. Because okay, because,
0: because otherwise, if you have got knights
1: and they're like Sir Serwin which sounds like you've got a stammer. I suppose, and, yeah. I was just thinking because cause Cersei is spelt the same way and it's C-E-R, uh, but maybe it's different in the North. Let's let's go with Ker- Kerwin. 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 Let's go with Kerwin. I, I just, if we're wrong, better. apologize. If they're not in the series, so we don't know the right way to pronounce the name. Um, but yeah, Clay Kerwin is, uh, is the, the son of the sort of, you know, in the air. And they, they're quite close to the Starks because it's the ca- effectively the castle down the road. It's only like an hour's ride away. And, um, and he turns up and, and he, he has a, some news about this, this rumor about Joffrey being a bastard. Mm. So he's uh, finally reached Winterfell. This, this news that's been traveling throughout the land is finally making its way north. Not much else to say on that, is um <laughs> Next. Sorry, i just like,
0: yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, Whatever. like, I mean, I, I have to say, though, I think there's something, no, I have thought of something. I have to say, like, I think the this whole thing about the news about Joffrey getting out is mm. like, it's not a letdown but it's just not quite as a big dramatic impact as it as it could have been. Because in the last book, mm. that was what drove the whole plot. You were like, "Is the king going to find out? Is this going to be known? Is Joffrey going to get on the throne?" And then in yeah. the second book, everybody knows. But there's already a yeah. war, so it, there isn't like you can't really turn up the consequences any more than they've already been turned up. So yeah. there is a bit of, you know, you spend a lot of the first book kind of waiting for Cersei and Jamie and Joffrey to kind of get their comeuppance. And yeah. um, and they, they don't With this news coming yeah. out And it's just a little bit <clears throat> oh, oh, I just wish Yeah, an anticlimax Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the question I have with it The thing that isn't clear at this stage Is how it's got out mm.
0: Yeah, how does Stannis know? He's on a rock In the middle yeah. of the sea Like, who told him?
1: Yeah We, we, we will see We shall um, but it, see it's, it, the, At the moment it, It's almost a plot hole The way that it hasn't been looked at mm. So we'll unless, see if they tie it up later on.
0: Unless Jon Arryn and Stannis both worked it out, and Jon Arryn got killed for it, but Stannis was already on his way back to Dragonstone and already knows. That would be the most logical
1: conclusion, wouldn't it? Yeah. We shall see. Yeah. The next chapter is Tyrion. And um, he's, he is doing a sort of an old trick that mobsters do, which is t- trying to find a rat. Um, I, th- well, I, th- I think there's actually a term for it. I can't remember what it is. But it's when you're. When, he's when on you, a mole hunt, no? A mole hunt, that's the one, yeah. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, you, so you sort of put out a few different secrets to different people and see which one gets leaked. Yeah. And then then you've got your mole. Yeah. Um, so he, he, he's sending basically three separate um, offers of marriage. Um, through the main people on the council so he tells Varys one thing tells Littlefinger another and he tells Wicker Wicker Grandmaster Paisel another (laughs) and tells them all to keep it from the Queen Yeah, and he's just going to wait and see which one the Queen finds out (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I Um,
0: love this, I really love this because this is a whole sequence where there's not tension, there's just anticipation because this is a character you like moving against four characters that you really don't like and doing it yeah. in a way that outsmarts them and so all the way through this i was reading this just like yeah <laughs> avid Picel in your face <laughs> little finger <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's going to be really interesting to see who actually dobs him in as well yeah I well yeah um, the other thing is it's obvious from this chapter that King's Landing is is starving now mm. because um since uh Renly has has sort of called the banners and, and claimed the throne um in the in in sort of the reach as it's called which w- where he is at the moment all the food has really dried up because that is the I don't think it's been made particularly clear and it's not a spoiler mm. um, but that is the part of the country which is you know where the food comes from mostly it's where most of the You know the most productive farms are and things like that. It's a really rich area, and normally there's this continuous supply of food coming into King's Landing, and that's just dried up now. Yeah, and um, and it's causing massive massive problems for for the population. Well, it would,
0: and this is this is actually another one of those knuckleheaded decisions that um, Mm. that was made by Cersei and Joffrey when they were running things before Tyrion was sent down, wasn't it? Like you know, you let Renly get away, you let him. Uh, start up a whole rebellion in the south and cut off all of your food supplies, and you yeah. can't really blame Tywin Lannister for being like, "I'm sorry, you did fucking what? The <laughs> food? Are you fucking <laughs> mental?" Yeah, it's just I such mean, it- a misstep, such a stupid thing, and it's just it's so clearly. I mean, I think it's really interesting. I actually think there's a comparison here between like, um, like what they've done and the sort of knuckleheaded decisions that you see. That um, that impoverish uh, developing countries when their leaders just stop trying to make money for everybody and just start taking out as much as they possibly can. Yeah, you know, and I think you see here this is this is um, Cersei definitely not have not being able to see beyond the end of her own nose and not being mm. able to think of anything other than this is how I am powerful. Yeah. Um. And you've got- just all power grab and then you power grab and then your food goes away and you're all like, I didn't think of that.
1: <laughs> you've got two two things going on at the same time here as well on the one hand the the food is coming in is decreasing on and, and added to that is the fact that when war breaks out in this period in this era you have a population boom because everybody comes into the city to be because they think that's where they're going to be safe mm. if you sit out in the in the farmland you might end up getting raped and pillaged, so you go into the city <laughs> yeah. where there's no food. Yeah. So it, it makes it even worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. and the city anyway is like, a, how bad must your life be out in the fields if King's Landing looks like a haven of law and order?
1: Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, Tyrion thinks about the, the these two threats and he considers Stannis to be the real danger. Renly's making a sort of slow and leisurely progress towards King's Landing. And I think Tyrion, for all Renly's strength, Tyrion thinks that he can maybe... Outsmart Renly because A he's a better tactician and B Renly has this real sense of overconfidence and hubris, doesn't he? Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's interesting that even though Renly's got, I think at this point he's got the biggest army, hasn't he?
1: Oh yeah, massively. Yeah. yeah.
0: So even despite the fact that he's got the biggest army, everybody's just like Renly doesn't know fuck all, does he? Yeah. <laughs> Where and they're much more worried about somebody like Stannis who's got a weaker force, but he's mm. kind of is more of a mover and a shaker. And he's yeah. that, I wonder if that's little brother syndrome, you know, if it's just because Renly's the, the kid brother of the king, everybody's like, doesn't know anything. Or, yeah. or if that's actually, they know him well enough to know that
1: he's got no substance to him at all. Yeah, there's probably an element of that. There's also the fact that uh, Tyrion uh, thinks here, it's the fact that he's got, Tyrion's got spies in Renly's camp and he's got no uh, but but with Stannis it's just dark he's got nothing every time he tries to send someone over to infiltrate yeah. they don't come back and they disappear and, it, and and either Stannis has got a fantastic anti-espionage thing going on yeah. there, or you know there's something else going on as mm. we've seen um, you know th- there's bits and pieces of creepy stuff going on with Stannis yeah. and you just wonder how far that extends yeah. it's certainly something disconcerting isn't it
0: absolutely yeah
1: uh, Joffrey's uh, wasting his time in the courtyard trying to shoot hares with a crossbow. Might be worth mentioning that. Yeah. What a wang! He just continuously <laughs> comes across as a psychopath. He doesn't does, he? doesn't he? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to shoot rabbits
0: because I'm yeah. the fucking king. That's why. What else would I be doing in a time of war?
1: <laughs> T- Tywin also considers uh, Littlefinger's rise to power. Um and Tywin. Sorry, no, sorry, Tyrion also considers Littlefinger's rise to power, um, and how well he's done his master of coin. And mm. um he w Littlefinger's clearly risen because he's managed to create money out of nowhere by promising to pay people and taking loans out and using the loans to create more money. Yeah. He's, like, he's pretty much a Game of Thrones version of a modern-day banker. He is, yeah, and, and
0: has all of the sympathetic relatability that modern-day bankers also possess.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it's interesting that that kind of character exists uh, considering the time this was written. Mm, but. Uh, uh, and I think it's probably a reflection of sort of modern-day um seeping into this fantasy world. Well no, do you know what? I don't think that's
0: true. I mean so the so in the UK, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, the guy who looks after the money, is um is very, very powerful. But he's got this like medieval name that derives from when you know, it's something to do with, you know, the way they used to keep track of where all the money was, is this big kind of chequered board and you'd move these pieces around it to kind of see who had what and when. Hmm. Um and so that role has been important in kind of politics for Better part of a thousand years, I think. Like, once you've got, mm. once you've got, once you're leading a realm that you don't actually gallop around with swords every couple yeah. of weeks, you know, the guy who pays for the people who do gallop around it with swords becomes very powerful. So, I've just been reading um, uh, uh, Wolf Hall and Bring Up the Bodies. Yeah. And yeah. the central character of that is incredibly powerful because he knows how to make money work for him. Like, he's got yeah. no, he comes from a low background, he's got no nobility, he's got no weapons, he's got no nothing except he's got the ear of the king because he makes money consistently. Mm. Um and so I think this I think I think the little finger thing is a bit more I think it's justified here. I think it's a bit it's realistic because back then to be even slightly good with making money was actually to be incredibly powerful because most people just didn't think in those kind of terms. It just wasn't part of the yeah. culture.
1: Yeah. Good point. I, th- I think I think yeah I think that's right. Yeah. So um I will I will bow to the that knowledge, the <laughs> good. <laughs> next up, next up, we've got Sansa, um, and there's this. Sa- Sansa has been offered a way of escape here. There's this plot to get her out of the city, mm. and it involves mm. her involves her going to the um, the Godswood and meeting a mysterious stranger. Oh, yeah. um, she, she she does. She, she finally gets the, that drums up the courage to do that, and the guy she meets is Sedontus who's the who's the the knight that the drunken knight yeah. if you remember from the tournament yeah who she saved and he says that he's going to try and get her out of the city
0: yeah and this is a really great tense sequence like opening up with that note and does she go does she not and all the time she's going down mm. to it you're like oh man what's going to happen um and then there's something else kicking off in the city isn't there that kind of creates a distraction that allows her to get down there yeah um so, yeah, which um, is an interesting thing in itself but like but but still on this like um it's really dramatic and then she gets down there and it's sedontos and i have to say i was really surprised because this is a departure or the this is where the series departs from the book isn't it because
1: this yeah. this doesn't happen in the series yeah so it's so it's yeah and, and that it's always exciting when that happens if you've re- if you've watched the series because you're yeah. thinking oh this has going in a different direction yeah. so you don't know what's going to happen yeah all there.
0: of a sudden you're sort of you're off on a new tangent and I thought it was really interesting and um and this, but Sansa I mean bloody hell you'd think she would have learned but she's still thinking in fairy
1: tales because she says yeah what is it Florian yeah it's it's this fairy tale about uh, Florian the fool who is, it was a fool who fell in love with a, a maiden mm. um. And, yeah, she sort of turns him into that effectively, doesn't she? Yeah. And, I mean, mean, stories are powerful for a
0: reason, but, I mean, has she not learned that every decision she's made so far on the basis of having heard a song about it that made her feel all fluttery has not worked out terribly well? That was why she wanted to marry Joffrey to start with.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah, I suppose there's just still this um, residue of, because she's still a, a, You know, Haas just a girl, isn't she? And she's still she's been believing all these stories for so long. And I think you can see how she's slowly beginning to realize that the sort of the the expectations she had from growing up and the uh, and the realities of this world are two different things. It's just a classic example of growing up, really, isn't it? Everyone goes through it, maybe not quite to this extent, Mm though. So on her way back uh, to. Uh, from the godswood she, uh, Sansa bumps into the hound mm. who's absolutely wrecked he's really drunk <laughs> and um, he escorts her back to her chamber Um it's a really strange encounter this isn't it mm. he's rambling and um, it's a very odd relationship that these two have um, and I don't know what's your take on it um it's a weird moment I mean it's very tense because the Hound is to this point
0: is still something of a monster um, you know he's sympathetic only in relation to his brother and that's, mm-hmm. that's it you know and he is there to do Joffrey's dirty work and here he is hammered yeah. and here Sansa is out of a room at night you know and you, and so I my first thought was like oh man this could go badly mm-hmm. um, um, but then they have this, this kind of weird interaction where he still seems to be sort of concerned for her safety but mm. without being in any sense cuddly like she she even says something about Florian at some point doesn't she because yeah. because she's learned so much about keeping her mouth shut and being discreet um and yeah. he's just incredibly dismissive and you know it's you know it's just a fairy tale or whatever yeah um but I thought you get really interesting insight into the hound in this passage because he's he's kind of once again he sort of moves away from being a um one dimensional terrifying character and it made me mm. think of um, uh, was, it, was it the end of the last book when, um, when Joffrey takes Sansa out for a romantic afternoon stroll to the battlements to see her father's head on a spike <laughs> yeah. and she wants to push him over the edge and the hound kind of moves in between her and the king to prevent her from doing that but also to prevent Joffrey from finding out that's what she was thinking of doing yeah, and yeah. and so there is this thing: as as the hound got a soft spot for Sansa, or or for for every vulnerable person. Because if so, he is in the wrong job.
1: <laughs> that's what, that's what I think is great about this um, encounter: is that you you read it wondering that, but it's it's also laced with this fear of if he doesn't, yeah. Um, what's gonna because he holds all the power here, and she's in such a vulnerable position, and he keeps going on about this song that he wants her to sing for him. And you're thinking, what the fuck does that mean? Because that could be read as very sinister. Yeah. Um, and could be sort of a euphemism for all sorts of things but that he wants to old. do. <laughs> um, and, and he's sort of, and you could see as he's drunk, he's getting closer to actually going down that road. Mm. And it's just, a, it, I was incredibly frightened for Sansa at, at this stage. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, the interesting thing about this relationship is they are they are absolutely complete opposites when it comes to this belief in, and this um this faith in the idea of knights and things like that you know sansa it couldn't be more fairy tale at the start and she's yeah. still clinging on to some parts of that yeah. and the hound couldn't be less so could he he hates the the whole idea of it so much that he won't even become a knight yeah, yeah. and his reaction to sansa's sort of r- recounting these stories is um i think it's like equal parts of um, pity and and also like just disgust yeah. and the fact that it's, you know it's not true and it's nice to believe it I suppose but um, I know better yeah. and um, my life is so much more miserable for it I suppose
0: yeah 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 and and this is you know the the truth comes out when you're pissed you know mm. and this is what this is what he's like he is a very conflicted character I actually think there's truth in both of the things that we're we think we might see in this in this little scene, because I think he's quite yeah. conflicted about himself.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, on the way back, uh, the the Kingsguard knight who was um, outside, who like looking at uh, guarding Sansa when she left, was a guy called Sir Preston Greenfield. He's been replaced now by a guy called Sir Boris Bloat, because um, must be just be his turn to to, to do the guarding. Mm. And um, th- this guy seems to be a real. Um, almost a figure of fun even though he's a Kingsguard knight he seems to be really like uh, just not particularly um, useful hmm. and um <laughs> <laughs> the hound pretty much dismisses him um, as they're walking towards him and like says he's, he's useless. <laughs> and Sansa says, "Well, he's a you know he's a knight of the Kingsguard." And the hound says, "You can paint stripes on a toad, but he doesn't become a tiger." <laughs> that was quite. <laughs> That's that was such quite a good, good line, line, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just wondered at this point. Um, we did the thing with the caster with the um, with the Stark. Bannerman mm. and picked a Bannerman or picked to the house yeah do you want to do the same with the kingsguard i'll go through the seven oh, that they've got hell. and we can we can pick one oh, to, to sort of tie uh, ourselves to the,
0: the problem is that i'm going to choose one of the ones who has been absolutely monstrous because i can't quite <laughs> remember all of their names and i'm going to end up rooting <laughs> for an absolute bastard
1: well, it's <laughs> um okay well shall i go through what who they are go on, then. and you, and 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 you can tell me whether you, you want to uh, associate yourself with one of them yeah so there's so we just spoke about Sir Boris Bloat, mm. who is um I think he's one of the older members of the Kingsguard, he's pretty useless. Um and he seems to be a blustering, um, fairly nasty um coward, mm. if you like. Um so, you know, he's one of the people who seems to beat up Sansa quite comfortably when uh, yeah, yeah. when asked to. Um there's Samandon Moore, who um is the only thing we really know about him is he's really creepy and he's got these um dull gray eyes which no one can tell what's happening behind and uh Tyrion i think at one point considers him the most dangerous of the king's guard mm. because because he's no one knows i think actually it might be jamie who considers that mm. because no one knows what he's what he's thinking mm. um and no he doesn't seem to have any friends he's just a complete loner yeah um there's the hound who obviously took over from beristam mm-hmm um, there's Sir Merrin Trant Who was the guy Who came to get Arya And ended up We assume Killing mm. Um That's all we really know About him There's this guy Called Sir Preston Greenfield Who is um, Apparently he's quite short For, for <laughs> a knight um, And he just He just seems to be A general he's, Decent He's a knight, knight. <laughs> Yeah uh, There's Jamie Lannister Obviously mm-hmm. Who we know And then the other one Is Sir Aris Oakhart. He sounds Great name Yeah and um, and again, he's I suppose similar to Suppressed, and we don't know a great deal about him. Um, but maybe we'll, we can flesh him out a bit as we go. I don't know. Maybe we should pick out of Suppressed and Sir Harry seen seeing as both of them we don't know anything about either of them at the moment. Actually,
0: that's true. That's the only way to go, isn't it? Um, Who are you going for? Then? Go on then, Oakhart. I love Oak
1: Okay, so I've got Suppressed and Greenfield. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Nice one. Okay, so we're, we will. I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> this. It just. It, we'll, we'll just take a take it's a closer a, interest in each of their fortunes. Nah, it means everything. It's punditry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So, so Siraris Oak Cart is, uh, is your your horse in this uh, in this race. <laughs> yes. I wonder which one survives the longest. Oh, really yeah. That's, I mean, finding.
0: this is the only thing we're measuring, isn't it? This is a George <laughs> R. R. Martin book. The only thing we're looking at is how long does each of
1: them live. <laughs> um the, the the last thing we find out about um sander is a bit about his his history and the history of his house about uh, the hounds history mm. um so apparently his grandfather uh used to look after the dogs in um in some lord's place and he saved um he saved his liege lord by um you know the, the these loyal dogs of his effectively stops his legion of being killed by a lion and this led to promotions and the reason they've got three dogs on the sigil is to remember those, um, those loyal hounds I suppose oh. So that's a, just an interesting, it's just an interesting bit of colour isn't it, to where, the, uh, where this house came from, and it's quite a young house if it only goes back two generations hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and you, I mean it's, it's clearly been quite a meteoric rise and mm. it's been a meteoric rise, then presumably off the back of the mountain being vicious. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's certainly what seems to have them considered players is that the head of the house is a psycho. Um, yeah. So be, this is a world in which being a psycho will take you a lot further than, yeah. um, than anything else, it seems. Uh,
1: next up is a Chapter 8 Aya. Um, this is Team R, you know, because um, if you remember last when we were last with her, she escaped um, from this holdfast, which is under oh, attack. yeah. Do you remember? Um, no, the people who escaped, I thought one of these guys was dead and he's not, uh, Lommy Greenhands. It's um, such a,
0: it's it's uh, it's <laughs> straight from Bugsy Malone, isn't it? It's a sort of London it, version of Bugsy Malone, it's child yeah. gangster from the 1930s. <laughs> Lommy Greenhands, Lommy Greenhands. <laughs> Only ever well, steals vegetables, found- but he steals them like a
1: pro. Hello, governor. <laughs> he was found with a... She came across him with a spear um, in him mm. um, when we were last in the chapter. But it turns out it was just in his leg, and he's still alive. Um, not for long. <laughs> <laughs> he's alive at this point. Spoiler alert. He's alive for the rest of this chapter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but there's, there's, So there's him... And then there's Hot Pie. I'm, I'm loving the fact that he's survived. Oh, isn't it magnificent? Um, <laughs> yeah. There's Gendry and there's Weasel, the little girl. <clears throat> Do you know the, the, oh, the, the girl they,
0: they rescued while mm. they were walking along. Mm. And that's it. Yeah. Everybody else is
1: dead. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it turns out she, um, Aya and this group went back to the Holdfast the next day to see if anyone was alive and everybody had been killed. Um, sadly, including Yorin, we were hoping uh, he might have just got away. Yeah. But um she finds his body, his his head's been effectively split in two by an axe, um and there are four um four dead assailants around him. Bloody so he, he went down sort of fighting. Yeah. But this is a this is a this is quite a sad moment because he was a really good character, Yoram, wasn't he? Yeah, um, he was one of those. You, you, even though he was quite rough and ready, you, you could really take to him.
0: Absolutely, yeah. he was a, he was a classic sort of kept you interested all the time because you mm. you liked him, but you also knew that it, you know he might do he might do things that you would think were like oh wow that's pretty that's harsh or that's difficult or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. So he was interesting, and he is dead not the first time he, that's happened we can say in this series yeah
1: and also he was aya's ticket home wasn't he yeah. he was the guy who was going to get her home and now he's he's gone and she's on her own again yeah uh, aged
0: nine just out mm. in the middle of nowhere wandering around the countryside in the middle of a war as an extremely valuable hostage
1: yeah yeah now there were actually three survivors um But they weren't in the holdfast. Do you remember they sent three men up to the tower um, in the town to sort of watch for enemies moving towards them? Yeah, bang-up
0: job, boys. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, actually, it, it sounded like a death sentence, that, but they actually survived because they pulled their sort of ladder up. Yeah. And because it was a stone tower, they couldn't burn it down. Yeah the attacking Lannisters and they couldn't really be bothered waiting for them to starve and come down so they just left them to it yeah. so these three guys have survived turns out one of them got an, got an arrow wound and he dies shortly after and the other two um, end up just stealing all the useful equipment and running off <laughs> simply because it's um, they've got much more chance on their own yeah than with the this gaggle of kids around them yeah and you see how sort of useless hot pie is and long, and how cowardly lommy is yeah and you you can see from a completely ruthless perspective why they would do that but at the same time you're leaving a group of children to sort of their fate um which seems a pretty monstrous thing to
0: absolutely, do absolutely yeah i um, although you know you're not in the nice watch for your cuddly feelings are you But um, I'm interested then in what makes Gendry stay, because you know he can also handle himself, and the logic for him is exactly the same.
2: Mm -hmm. You know,
0: you're at great risk looking after these. You know, for all that I like Arya, right? I want her to survive. Hot Pie is just comic relief, and (laughs) and and you know, so clearly, I mean, Gendry's got character. You know, he's not about to chuck these people off. I think it says a lot.
1: Yeah, it does. It does, isn't it? It, it really, um, I think, uh, shows just how how good a per- and how um, yeah how how much of a heroic character I suppose Gendry is to even stay with these yeah. these these children. He really though. is,
0: and you you see. Yeah, this is interesting, isn't it? You see a lot more of that sort of um, kingship in him than you do in Joffrey,
1: for example. Yeah. Um you can tell you can tell which one's Robert's son. Can absolutely, you can imagine yeah. Robert doing exactly the same thing yeah. for all his faults. Yeah. This is the exactly the kind of thing uh, Robert would have done. Yeah.
0: Because this is what kings do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> hot pie is so bad. I mean, he makes a lot of noises he's wandering about. Um he's just a little boy isn't he? So it's it's hard hard to have got to him too much. He's so shit he can't even do They're communicating by doing um, sort of bird and dog noises, and he can't even do them properly. Just walking around, going woof, woof. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, At this point, I realised something um, linking to one of our other casts we did. I realised who this who Hot Pie reminds me of. Who? It's it's Bomber (laughs) from from the Hobbit. (laughs) The little the little fat ball
0: of rubbish that follows you around behind (laughs) and has to be kept up with at all costs. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah he's he's just getting carried isn't he mm. but i mean uh what a shame but also uh lommy seems to me completely useless he just constantly is telling people that they should yield um <laughs> and <laughs> every time they're coming up with any plan lommy says that yield the best course of action is to yield. go up to somebody and yield <laughs> it's almost like it's a magic word to him isn't it it's just like he's heard it
0: this yeah. is something that that knights say and receive mercy for. So if I say it, then it's like a secret code, uh, <laughs> and and I will not be horribly hacked to pieces by these people who've ridden all the way across the country trying to find me and kill me.
1: Yeah, I suppose it, it's it's fair enough. He's just a it's just a frightened boy, yeah, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, no, but um, but yeah, it is it is quite funny how he gets to always say it. And um, in the <laughs> in the end, when Arya and Gendry go off to sort of scout out this little. Um, village by the lake Yeah, Uh, Lommy says um, there are wolves in the forest what shall I do if, you know, what happens if they turn up and Arya says you should yield (laughs) 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 which is quite funny she's Um, a witty one isn't she yeah, this this ends with with them all being captured uh, by uh, the mountain which oh that'll go well the worst Ugh. thing ever, yeah, horrible um and just if you weren't in any if you weren't certain just how ruthless this group of killers are mm. um they they kill Lomi out of hand when they find him with a really sort of spear thrust, and he says he can't walk and um, and so they, so they just kill him just, just for that that's just what just, i
0: mean
1: I mean one shouldn't be surprised
0: At like pointlessly vicious behavior like it from from armed men in westeros but mm. fucking hell he's dying already he's lying next to a tree and like yeah. i mean so i was i was quite surprised by the sort of callousness of this because it seems quite wasteful it's like you've been sent yeah. out to look for some kids and you found some kids so the first thing you do is stick a spear through one of their throats and it's quite mm. risky what if he turned out to be the one you were looking for You know what if what if that should have been captured? But this guy just doesn't even think of it. Like, I mean, it's the unthinkingness of it. It's just like child kill. Like, what has to go wrong in your head that that's your response?
1: Yeah, and and well also I think actually the reason they want to find Gendry is just to kill him so I wouldn't imagine they'd be too upset if <laughs> well, all right, was she strange was strange. there but, but but having said that they want to know that they've got him first don't they? Yeah, well <laughs> exactly, otherwise forever. they're
0: just going to kill everybody younger than 15 that they come across, well maybe they've already been doing that
1: <laughs> Yeah Next up we're back with Tyrion I've I, I got to admit I always love it when I see Tyrion turning up again yeah. another chapter about him yeah. I, I find him one of the really interesting Characters at the moment. Yeah, it's also because um, he's
0: surrounded by a plot that isn't because the other plots are like John's north of the wall and is on a long journey to somewhere we don't really know, and Daenerys is on the other side of the Narrow Sea and is on a long journey to somewhere we don't really know, <laughs> and Arya is lost in the middle of Westeros and is on a long journey to somewhere we don't really know. Whereas yeah. Tyrion, <laughs> Tyrion has this really fascinating, complicated political, you know, and you're seeing a character that you like actually succeed. Um, mm. I feel exactly the same way. Whenever Tyrion comes up, I'm like, "Oh, brilliant!" Because because yeah. otherwise, it's just you know, it's 95 different ways to die whilst taking a walk in Westeros. At the moment, yeah, yeah, I have faith that that's yeah. going to be brought around to something different because George Martin's a good writer. But right now, the the interesting bit, the place where I enjoy spending time, is Tyrion in King's Landing.
1: Yeah, so so t- Tyrion's gone to to look at this wildfire. Which is um, which is created by um, these people called pyromancers or alchemists, <laughs> as they call themselves. Can you, so you imagine having that and on your um,
0: business card?
1: Pyromancer Matthew Bone,
0: pyromancer.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a cracking it's name, great, isn't, isn't it? it? Absolutely brilliant. Um, it seems that these these guys used to be um, pretty much in the position that the that the ma that the masters are in mm. now, the maesters. And, um they were kind of supplanted by the ma- maesters as their sort of tricks with fire ceased um, to be impressive less impressive, <laughs> yeah, and you get the feeling that maybe as sort of the magical elements seeped out of the world, their power waned because they couldn 't do as much as they yeah, used to yeah, yeah. um and they were they were overtaken by these this effectively this group of rationalists mm. um who are the monsters mm. uh, this this stuff, this wildfire appears to be um kind of like almost like a nuclear weapon because they, they say that the the jars that held the, all the wildfire which was if you, if you remember the old mad king was creating a load of it to effectively burn the city mm. down um, if, it ever, if the king's landing ever fell mm. and the pots that held all that are now in sealed vaults full of water but there's still there's still a worry that they're going to one day explode. <laughs> and it just shows how dangerous this stuff is. It's the kind of thing you do to nuclear to nuclear waste. Mm, it's
0: interesting it? actually. I was going to say that it's napalm, but you're right. It's it's oh, yeah, napalm yeah. crossed with nuclear waste. It's like the just the worst <laughs> possible substance you can imagine. And it's yeah. buried underneath this yeah. castle. If I was Tyrion, I would be looking at like conveyor belts out of there sharpish. Just I don't know. Yeah. Take it all out and dump it somewhere. I don't care where you put it, but not underneath my bed.
1: <laughs> and there's um, there's also when the pyromancers are making the stuff, they're in this room which has got sort of a load of sand above it. And if if the if the sort of pyromancer makes a mistake, the the floor falls away above mm. them and they get buried. Yeah. Um, basically, because this is so dangerous, the stuff yeah. is they need to immediately seal down the yeah. room it's it's like a a, a medieval version of a, a quite a sophisticated um sort of experimentation look, it is isn't
0: it? yeah yeah and uh, all the more gothic for that <laughs> like because mm. i yeah. mean how do you get trained as a pyromancer then if your first mistake is you buried alive under a big pile of sand <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah exactly <laughs> um so that's it they're an interesting little group these pyromancers and um the, the they both they seem a bit a little bit sinister, I suppose. Just um, a bit. And just Yeah, <laughs> a bit unusual. Um, the the plan it seems to be, and Cersei has started this plan, is to get a load of the jars of this stuff to fling over the walls, um, once once King's Landing's under siege. Mm. And it seems that Tyrion is kind of going along with that, insofar as he wants to start training the uh the the, the sort of city watch to use this stuff and starting off by filling the jars with paint and then moving on to filling them with sort of lit oil um, basically so that they can make the mistakes without burning the entire city down Uh, so it seems like a risky thing to do though to have this kind of material within the walls in a in a battle situation, I think in the in the book at this stage, you mean in the film, um, in the TV yeah, series, sorry, in, yeah, in the series at this in the series at this stage, um, I think Bron makes the point where he says, you know, when you got frightened men in a war situation, the last thing you want is them flinging this shit around <laughs> because it's going to end up it's going to end up going in yeah. the city.
0: I think that's true, but it's sort of a uh, you know that that's the same argument you would use to say that you don't want nuclear weapons on home soil. But if they're not on home soil, they're on soil mm. that somebody else can capture. So you know it's yeah. it's the same thing, isn't it? If you had a little stockpile of this stuff twenty miles outside the city, the you know you, if your enemies come across that, then you're screwed. So yeah. once this yeah. horrendous thing it's has true. been invented, you know you absolutely must, um, mm. uh, kind of keep it keep it close to you. Because that's—it's extremely yeah. likely to kill you, but it's less likely to kill you <coughs> right there than it is anywhere else in the world. Yeah. yeah.
1: <clears throat> as, a, as, Tyrion, as as Tyrion's riding back through King's Landing, um, we get a feel for just how um, how unpopular the king is at the moment. It turns out that people have been turning up at the castle walls asking for food. Mm. And Joffrey's response has been to, to shoot the loudest people with his crossbow, and then sh- and shout down to the crowd that they have leave to eat the dead. <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> Which isn't it? Yeah. He's always he's almost a, a self parody, is, isn't Yeah, it, actually, <laughs> that's true.
0: It is. It's it's let them eat cake, but turned up to eleven. <laughs> Um, yeah it's horrible um, and that was am i right in thinking that was what that was what allowed Sansa to get out of her room the other night as well
1: yeah yeah that was what was happening it was one of these big groups have approached the castle again asking yeah. for food and the the guards have had to go and respond yeah, to it i've had to go sure and get
0: in. like back up the king because nobody's going to be frightened of the king without his hired hands are they this little runty <laughs> kid that enjoys shooting rats
1: and people, and, and people.
0: for food as well. Honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately for Tyrion, he's copping a lot of the blame for this as well. We see a um at like a a Punch and Judy show which is going on mm. in the city. Which Tyrion rides past. Well it's not a sure. show, no, it's it's a prophet shouting out, um, you know, basically having a pop yeah. at the king and also the the, the the person, the sort of power behind the throne, Tyrion, who's described as a twisted little monkey <laughs> demon, which, uh, she, which she feels yeah. a bit. Upset I to think you, you're justified
0: <laughs> if somebody describes you as a twisted little monkey demon at being a little bit put out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also um Moonboy who's the the fool, one of the fools in the uh, in the castle. Um, we said before about the fact that. Um, I I said that fools here tend to be um seem to be people in Westeros who have some kind of mental deficiency and you said that in in medieval times it was it was it could be that or it could also be just effectively comedians who were allowed to poke fun where other people yeah. weren't and I think moonboy is closer to that yeah. um he talks he mentions the you know the, the high septon who's sort of the the high priest in um in King's Landing mm. And he's remembered as describing him as because he's really fat, this guy, and he he says that the high septum worships the seven gods so fervently that he eats a meal um, for each one of them every time he sits down. <laughs> it's It is a great is. gag, um, and it is it's just a, it's like a yeah. comedian thing, that isn't it? It's not um it's not a, the fool in the sense that we've seen. um early it's on so in his
0: book. Primary purpose is just to creep you out. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. Okay, Cersei, uh, oh, hang on a minute, I've lost a bit. Oh, um, yeah, so Cleus Frey has returned Has returned to King's Landing. He's the guy, uh, the Lannister mm. envoy. Do you remember he went to Rob with, um, oh, he's been sent by Rob mm. with peace terms. Um, and he gets in. And The only thing I wanted to say about this is he's been escorted by mm. a group of Starks. And I just thought this is just the one job you don't want to oh, be given, yeah. isn't it? Because it's just it's just so easy to end up dead an envoy. And if you're a Stark yeah. bannerman as well, you don't want to be heading down yeah. to King's Landing um, into the yeah. nest of vipers <laughs> because you, you your one hope is that you just yeah. get back out of line.
0: Yeah, oh it's just yeah, you've got you've got either balls of steel or be really thick to be in this group and not absolutely mm. freak
1: out. Um Cersei comes to um, He's yeah. furious with Tyrion for some reason, and it turns out that it's one of the one of these plans that Tyrion's put down to see which one will get back to Cersei <laughs> has got back to Cersei. Yeah. So somebody has betrayed him, and we're not hundred percent sure yeah. who yet. I don't think, but um, <coughs> Tyrion obviously knows. The thing is here: um, the Cersei and Tyrion talk about the situation and how enemies are closing in from various sides now, and they need mm. to do something to. To, to sort of break the stranglehold and get back on the front foot and Cersei actually starts to cry she actually completely breaks down because yeah. she's just so afraid and um, the reaction is <coughs> the, the Tyrion's reaction is great it says, Tyrion Lannister could not have been more astonished if um, Aegon the Conqueror himself had burst into the room riding a dragon and <laughs> dribbling lemon pies um, <laughs> that's
0: such a good line
1: <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's weird if, to, to us, I suppose, as well, because it's it's Cersei being yeah. human. And um, I suppose it just gives us an idea of just how much, f- for all her faults and what she's done, how much pressure she's under. Self applied. And how much weight right? she's trying to carry. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, she's the Queen Regent regardless well, of Well, that's how she's true. Doing I mean, she's the though.
0: Queen Regent because of a situation that she engineered. You know, and she's the one who kind of triumphalistically mm. was like, you know, you, you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. You know, like, she's, she's asked for mm. this. And she's bad at it. That's yeah. the problem, isn't it? She's really good at manipulating people. Oh, this is interesting. Kind of like Robert. Robert's really, really good at winning battles and really shit at ruling nations. And Cersei's really, really good at manipulating mm. politics and uh, to her own, to get what she wants. But then she doesn't know how to actually just run things. And now she's the regent, mm. and she's spending yeah. most of her time as regent, having little power games with her brother, and you know, mm. m- sending people off here and there and everywhere, and, and trying to remain in control. And she's bad at it, and 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 mm. and yeah. she's so bad at it that you know that this otherwise unassailable <laughs> position of military might looks to be under now under great threat
1: yeah uh, and actually just as an aside another example of how much she hated robert um she now sleeps in the bed that robert died in and Tyrion says um, i'm quite surprised that you haven't thrown that out and she says it gives me good dreams <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 and your little dog too
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> she's not one-dimensional but she's right. fucking close to it isn't she <laughs>
1: Alright, let us go back up to the to, to Winterfell with let's. Bran. I know this this is the, the Harvest Feast. Um it's interesting, I thought here, that there's the Harvest Feast at Winterfell and it's this massive um occasion and everybody's eating as much as they want and it's a really um it's a massive blowout really. And just the comparison between that and what we've just seen in King's Landing, where the whole city's mm. starving. Yeah. You know, and these two th- these two are both at war, but for various reasons Winterfell at the moment is yeah. actually doing a lot better.
0: Well, cuz Winterfell's got the whole north to draw on. This is what I was saying last time. Is um, you know, you you're in mm-hmm. control of a huge swathe of territory and and that necessarily yeah. brings with it a great deal of power if they, if they if they're all behind you. Whereas King's Landing is the capital, sure, and has a lot of money, sure, but its supply routes are all owned by other people now. Because you've got so many different lords fighting each other in the south.
1: Bran is supposed to send, um, he, he gets offered the first taste of all yeah. the dishes that are brought out. And he's supposed to send them down to sort of high lords and people yeah. he favours as well. Um, you know, just to just to show a bit yeah. of patronage, I suppose. And he does that to some of the, you know, important people. He also sends a couple of things to people like Hodor and Old Nan because he likes you said it, yeah. it says just because he loves him. That yeah, is, and you can nice,
0: actually you it? can see um, and, Ned Stark doing the same thing, can't you? Like you definitely see him getting that from his dad. Yeah. In fact, earlier in the early the first book, didn't wasn't there something like, you know, Ned would Ned would occasionally have it, like in the place of honor, he'd have lords and he'd have bannermen and he'd have people that he wanted to get on side, but then he'd also just have like old Nan, or whoever, and would honor them in the same yeah. way. Yeah, that is really canny leadership. Yeah. actually, we've seen that throughout all these little bits in this book of Bran being the, the Stark in Winterfell. He's, for all that he's a kid and he doesn't much enjoy doing, it, he's actually really good at it. It seems to me like he's, yeah. he he yeah. seems to know the right things to say and seems to understand what's important and what's not and seems to be quite hmm. kind of uh, benevolent. I, I, that's really interesting.
1: He's also um, <laughs> there's also an example of him being a child here when. Uh, Major Lewin says that he he should send something to the two uh yeah. Frey twins as well because you know they're in, mm. in a place of honour as well. So he, he sends them down boiled beets <laughs> and buttered turnips. <laughs> like, everybody else are getting like suckling duck boiled and all this stuff. and stuff
0: turnips, and you can just see him, can't you? Just sort of <laughs> leaning over and just flicking the V's. As when they look up to acknowledge it, it's just like, Yeah, you can have that, hey. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's a nice example of him being a child. There's also this, um, an example of how mature he is and this sadness that seems to be around Bram. Um, He he sits in, when he sees all these people laughing Mm. and joking and enjoying themselves, and he remembers the last time they had a harvest feast and who was there then, and, you know, all the people who went down to King's Landing and Mm -hmm. all his family. And he thinks that some of them, are still missing and some mm. of them are never coming back and he he looks on and he he, say, he wonders who'll be missing next year and that's quite a mature thought to have for a child and it's also it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's very also sad, a really, really
0: it? sad one and he's the thing is that he's there's one thing that he's been shown he's going to be right about is the fact that most of the people he likes probably aren't going to live very long you know
1: hmm yeah the the only other thing to say about this chapter is the arrival of these other two characters called Jojin and Mira and these are um, the son and daughter of this 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 lord who's allied to Winterfell but you never really see at the moment and he's, a, he's what's called a he, he he rules what are called the Men. And these are the guys who live in the swamp area around Jember Moat Cailin, which is that castle which no one wants to live in because yeah. it's in such a horrible yeah. place in the middle of a swamp. Well, these people live in the oh. swamp and their sort of capital, if you like, or their main mm. sort of town or city is Moves, they're, they're nomadic, so it's like a, a traveling oh, caravan see, really.
0: yeah, like I read that and I thought, what, magic? I was you know, I thought I thought this was a, some weird mm. sort of apparates, disapparates sort of thing. But no, so it's like a tent city, they're like the they're the dothraki of Westeros.
1: I think so. I mean I immediately went to that. I suppose I mean I don't I'm not sure if it's made explicit, but I just assumed yeah. that would be the case. Um and I think there may be other bits and pieces around um later on where they're described mm-hmm. in such a way. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's if that's me going back on things that I've read later on, or whether it's just an oh, well, assumption. We'll but anyway, interesting. yeah, mm. yeah. And it turns out that the Howland Reed, who's the who's the the leader of this group, um, he was the only other person to survive. Do you remember that big battle that Ned had with the remains of the Kingsguard? At the oh yeah, rebellion, uh, yeah. At the White at the, yeah. at the Tower of Joy. Um, well, he was the only oh. other guy to survive, and um, Bran remembers that um, he heard that his dad would have died um, if it wasn't for this guy. He would have been killed by I think Arthur Dane, this Sword of the Morning, this really great Kingsguard knight, yeah. was fighting Ned and was winning, and somehow Howland Reed turned the tide. Um, don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Well, so I
0: mean, it's a rare thing, just, isn't it, of like kind of like a. Uh, a friendship that seems to endure because he welcomes them, doesn't he? They come and they say, you know, we're still on your side, and quite formally for mm. a pair of kids, and he receives it quite formally. And it's that it's it's the first time we've seen an alliance like affirmed or entered into without somebody going and what's in it for me.
1: Mm. And the chapter ends with another wolf dream. Brand dreams of being a wolf again, and this time, um, the two children, Jojen and Mira. Approach him as a wolf, and that's all part of the dream. That's and weird. We'll see where that goes. Shortly.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. Next up is Caitlin, and she is she's on the way down to see Renly, because if you remember, Rob sent her down to see if she can strike some kind of deal yeah. with with Renly, um, to to try and to try and turn the war in yeah. in Rob's favour. Um. She's absolutely exhausted, and we get this. Um, feeling from her at the start of this chapter that she just, all she wants yeah. to do is go home now Yeah. and she just can't um, obviously. Yeah, and,
0: and yeah, um, she's,
1: she's becoming more and more
0: tortured as time goes on, isn't she, Caitlin? You know, she's a very strong person but it's really taking its toll on
1: her uh, the, the group she's travelling with is is perfectly balanced insofar as it's strong enough to put off any um, bandits who are knocking mm. about in the countryside but weak enough to to not be a threat to sort of serious armies yeah. that are wandering around, it's the kind of, it's the kind of balance that I suppose Yoren's um, group didn't have, and that's why they were that's yeah. why they didn't make it. You need to f- you, and th- then that is the key to moving through these war torn lands at the moment, isn't it? A bit of luck and also having that right, to trying to find that line between not powerful enough to be a threat. To established armies but powerful enough to defend yourself yeah, against yeah it's um,
0: a little a little considered part of military strategy isn't it it's like how to be imposing
1: but not threatening um so she, she comes across Renly's camp massive mm. group massive army biggest mm. army in the kingdom at the moment and um, she meets him she thinks he looks like Robert he looks a great figure mm. of a king um, and that, that that is fairly indisputable um, mm it turns out that he's holding effectively a mini tournament at the moment as he's making yeah. his way to war and she considers this to be Renly just playing at war when a yeah, war's actually it is, going on it, now it She's doesn't do really anything does, does it? it
0: to change your opinion of Renly as a sort of Johnny come lately who's playing dress up instead of somebody who's serious about yeah. you know kingship and what it involves
1: the 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 winner of this big melee um which is you know the the tournament which is being held turns out to be this enormous knight who um caitlin doesn't uh, uh, caitlin doesn't recognize and then it turns out it's a woman it's a Mm -hmm. woman called brienne and she she's a very it's our first introduction to this character and she seems very interesting doesn't she is placing a Um, a female character in a very unusual role for this for this it is and um and the thing
0: that struck me the most was the um it was the fact that um when she's won the competition people are going a beauty a beauty and so even in her moment of and and of course the joke quote quote is that she's she's described as being very ugly and um and I just I thought that was like even in her moment of triumph this world devalues women and what she wants to do so much that that she's disrespected even in her moment of triumph and um Mm. yeah I I mean yeah so I wonder you know where's this gonna go because she ends up becoming part of Renly's Kingsguard doesn't she
1: yeah um is interesting because okay um there's there's the Kingsguard um which is these these seven knights, all all in white, who whose one job is to protect the king. <clears throat> Renly has started his own, and there's in the in the series, Ren, Renly is is open, is, is his mm. character is, is gay, um, and he's quite obvious. It's hinted at in the um, in the book, but never mm. really more than that. Although now and I've um, now <clears> I've read <throat> it, having watched the
0: TV series, there are some fairly open. Like snarks in it, do you know what I mean? Anyway, sorry, yeah,
1: carry on. yeah, and and also, I mean, one of the possible indicators <laughs> is that he's called <laughs> his guard the Rainbow Guard. <laughs> that is wonderful, and I it's just, one of these... I, I love
0: the idea of like <laughs> of like like a, like rainbow badasses. <laughs> I just think that's amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's sort of um it's going to be badass. It's <laughs> going to be fabulous at the same time. Badass, fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it seems that Renly is um, actually pretty friendly towards um, mm. towards Rob. Um, he offers um, some kind of friendship. Mm. It seems at the beginning, um, and th- he's quite welcoming to Catelyn and tells her to you know take a place of honor and mm. sit and feast with them um, this evening. And it all seems quite promising. Yeah, yeah at yeah, the start, really, doesn't, doesn't it? it. Um. At this at this feast, it's quite interesting that um, Catelyn looks at, at all the the sort of knights around um, around Renly and she realises that these are all the younger yeah. men in the kingdom. Um, they're, they're all late mm. teens, early twenties. Um, I mean, she said, there's, there's a thought here. I'll just read it out. Um, she considers um, it's all a game to them still, a tawny mm. writ large. Uh, and, and all they see is a chance for glory and honour and spoils. They're boys drunk on song and a story. And like all boys, they think yeah. themselves immortal. And it's um, it's a really nice summary of just um, where Renly's power base is at the moment yeah. and
0: what they're like. And you see a big difference uh, all the way through the series, actually, between people who are too young to really remember what winter was like and people who have been through a winter. And yeah. the win- having been through a winter and having been through a war are quite closely correlated in this particular generation. And so there's a lot of yeah. soft, um, overconfident kids who have been raised on mm. stories of valor and haven't heard the bit of the story where you see somebody's eye get gouged out or leg get gnawed off or whatever it is. And you just have a great sense of 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 immaturity, and you can't see how they're going to get away with it for long. You know they're going to get found out. It may be Mm. the biggest, it may be the biggest army, but frig, you know something's gonna it's gonna go south somehow. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 an often told story. This isn't it of the sort of um, innocence and overconfidence of of young Mm. men going to war, but it just it does it feels right. I really buy it because it
0: all it all proceeds from Renly, who is this kid. Who is playing at war But happens to have access To lots of weaponry With which to do it So you know elsewhere he would have been Playing Call of Duty but actually He's shooting real people So to speak you know he's doing it for real
1: Yeah Yeah um, Re- Renly at the end of the feast uh, Asks C- Catelyn to, to sort of t- to Walk with him and he takes her to the top of this um, Tower and they look out over all the campfires, um, which are, which are stretched for miles and miles, and it's just a sh- it's just a quite clear yeah. show of his power. Renly's very smiling and relaxed, and he's obviously very popular mm. and good with people. Um, but this is a very clear statement of, you know, this is where power yeah. lies at the moment. You know, I am the most powerful, and he makes it quite clear that he wants Rob to to be on his side. But he's not going to do a deal uh, and split his kingdom he's not going to give yeah. him the north and Ro- and Ro- rob will have to um he, he said you know he-, he, can- he can still call himself king if he wants but he has to be a s- sort of pledge his allegiance yeah. to me and and, a- and i have to rule over him and it's it's a clear it's a clear problem isn't it because that is not what rob's going to accept yeah. so this could have been this could have been a good treaty to make
0: but well, I want to say Renly, full of himself, has turned it down, and um, you know he's got all the reasons to turn it down at the moment. But it does mean that, but in making that decision, he's making a decision to keep the whole country at war. Because if he and Rob got together and made mm. a deal, then the Lannisters would have nowhere to go. You know, it seems to me that High Garden yeah. is the only place that's as rich as Castle Rock, and that could uh, could um, oppose mm. the Lannisters well, and they're in a position to do it. But Renly's like, no, I'm going to be king off!
1: Mm. Yeah, I wonder. Do you think his supporters would accept him no, giving away no, Half the kingdom without, question, without even
0: winning it? And you know, uh, so I no, you're right. He can't do that as well, but only because he's got a force full of idiot boys like him.
1: Yeah, I, I, I also, I think it's at the same time. Agree with you though that. He, On one hand, he probably can't, but on the other, he regardless, so he doesn't want yeah. to, does he? He believes yeah. he, he can take all of this, and he's mm-hmm. got the power to do it. Um, the end of this is um, a, a rider appears saying that Stannis has arrived, and he's he's besieged Storm's End, which is it's hmm. Renly's castle, effectively. So Stannis has, has sailed for war, but he's not gone straight for King's Landing he um his first attack is against his brother i mean well Strange decision. understandable
0: decision given that stannis is, stannis's primary outrage i think is that he's not the king and he wants i think he kind of wants to clear the ground around him before he makes before he goes for the throne and and he's got a he's got yeah. a good reason to hate Renly because Renly's just gone, No, I'm gonna be king. No, oh, it's the law, I'm gonna be king. And mm. Stannis is, is not the kind of guy to take an insult like that lightly. And and so it no. it looks to me like petulance is what it looks like. Do you know what I mean? It looks to me like Stannis mm. being like, um, well you slighted me and that is a greater sin than um than usurping the throne. Um and so I'm going to go yeah. for you first, and also Storm's End seems to have some significance to Stannis, doesn't it? Because he, he, he felt it was his right, yeah, as the as the elder brother, and he didn't get it because Robert didn't want him there. Robert was like, just go and sit on Dragonstone, go to an island far away. Yeah, um, and you can understand yeah. why yeah. as well. He can't have been a barrel of laughs to have around, Stannis.
1: No, and and Robert was the kind of guy who wanted people to laugh at his jokes. Yeah, Star,
0: can and you I mean, imagine the joke that Stannis uh, would laugh I, at?
1: <laughs> yeah, you can. I, it's, it's, I think it's quite clear that he got on a lot better with Ren yeah, than he yeah. did with Stannis, didn't he? There's, there's definitely much more. They're, they're much more similar. Stannis is a bit of the sort of black sheep of the family, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. he? Um, okay. Uh, next mm. up, the final chapter for today. I mean, we're, we're running <laughs> long, so you'd be delighted to hear. Um, this is this is John. We've not been back with John for mm. it seems ages, and um, they've finally made it to a place called mm. Craster's Keep now. Um, and this is a uh, it's one bloke, one horny old man in the. Uh, He'd almost be a relative of um, that guy at the twins. All the fray. Uh, yeah. Um, is just this—he's this old bloke who has he's surrounded by daughters who are also his wives who give him oh. daughters. Um, yeah, no. not pleasant, is it? Uh, but but somehow, when everybody else has fled and all these villages are deserted, yeah. he's still there. Yeah. He's surviving. Uh, mm. Why? We don't know. Um, but it, it turns out he—he does—he remembers. Um, Waymar Royce and uh, Jared. Right from Do you the remember f- beginning of the first book. The very first yeah. characters we encountered, yeah, who met yeah. their end north of the wall. Um, it's interesting that he, he, we, we sort of reach right back mm. to the start of that book now, because he, he, he casts his mind back and says, oh yeah, I remember them passing through. And he describes actually Jared, who's the guy who had, ends up being executed by mm. Ned for deserting. Um, a quite a decent guy and he quite likes well, Yeah, him. but is that um, really the kind of character reference you want? <laughs> exactly yeah i suppose <laughs> um it turns out that the reason that vi- he says the reason the villages all around are deserted is because manse raider who's this guy who says he's the king north of the wall has been asking all the wildlings to join him he's saying that things are getting more dangerous and he's going mm. to lead them to safety and crust Craster seems to be the only the only one who's decided that he doesn't want to do You're that because he's, he's too old he
0: is. and there are no other men around him you know <laughs> mm. i would almost not blame yeah. man's raider whoever he is for having been like should we get in crass no no i don't want anything to do with that i mean i'm a wildling and all and we do some pretty raw <laughs> stuff but for fuck's sake
1: there's a limit <laughs> yeah um so the, a couple of other things happen while they while they're stopping at Craster's. It's an interesting, It's a good. I quite like it here. It's um. It's a it's a it's a fun place to watch the Nights Watch try and deal with because on one hand Craster's obviously mm. a horrible bastard. On the other, you know, it, it is a place of relative sanctuary in yeah. the sort of <laughs> in the forbidding, horrible conditions of, of yeah. the forest north of the wall. Um. John um, meets uh, a character called Gilly, who's uh, who's one of Craster's daughters, and she asks John to take um, to take her with him when when he leaves. Um, and obviously, he can't mm. they go in further north? And th- even if he wanted to, it's not mm. really practical. Um, but she says that she's terrified because she's pregnant, and if it's a boy. Um, She's going to lose him because Craster gives his boys to the cold gods. More gods. Well, the interesting thing here is um, the cold. We don't know who the cold gods are. We've got an idea mm. later in the chapter, and I'm not. I'm wondering if this is um, a move towards your theory where you said the White Walkers hey. are the old hey. gods, um, and I, I, I kind of. Suggested that might. I, I'm I'm not sure that is the case, but th- if it is, then this is evidence for you because you removed the seed <laughs> from the cold gods. That's what I thought when I read this. It. I was like, oh, get come
0: on! I should have put money on it." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, G- Gilly's Gilly's plea to be like taken away um, is kind. It's almost on a Sansa level. Sort of heard the stories of kingship and sort of mm. childish trust. Where well, she says, um, they say the the king mm. Keeps people safe So I was kind of hoping that you'd mm. be able To do that for me And obviously mm. John just can't um, And <laughs> In the end Sam um, meets Gilly later on and he <laughs> Petitions, John, as well to help her. And John's just like, come on, no, we can't, we can't do, do that. Do that can
0: Man we? the fuck up! Like, I mean, by all accounts, like if Sam wants to do that, I know Sam's not the character to do this sort of thing, but he should fucking do it. I mean, there's one thing having a friend; it's quite another thing being like, I am unwilling to do this extremely dangerous and ill-advised thing. Can you do it, please? <laughs> mm.
1: <coughs> yeah. Um, John and mom and the Lord Commander moment. Um, end up having a conversation, as they're leaving Craster's, about what Craster's up to, and there's obviously something about Craster giving his sons up to um, the, yeah. the monsters in the forest, and, and and John says, you know, how can you let that go on, how can you yeah. not act against it, and moment basically says yeah. that, you know, it's pragmatism and um, he need, they need Craster there, because he's the he's the way that they can yeah. range further north because he actually yeah. lets them rest there um, John says um, that <coughs> Ned once told him that some men are not worth having a bannerman who's brutal and unjust dishonours his lord mm-hmm. as well as himself um, yeah, you can, hear, yeah, you can yeah, really yeah. hear Ned in that can't you <laughs> but it's an interesting well, it argument it is particularly for it, a man who had the Boltons
0: who were known for flaying men as one of his bannermen <laughs>
1: yeah I get the feeling that Ned has them though and he kind of keeps the excesses of them in yeah, line or true. as much yeah, as he true. can and I think I think they there is a pre- there is pressure on the Boltons to at least yeah. toe, the, toe the line a bit whereas I think you can tell here all the way through uh Mormon basically says oh, I think I think or one of his men and non no, moment agrees it says you know your house your rules and they let Craster do whatever he wants as long as he offers his, mm-hmm. him them support I think mm-hmm. offers, uh, offers them his support and I, th- I think that's different to the way that the dynamic Oh that's Ned true and, and I'm hanging a lot
0: off the fact that Boltons have got a flayed man on their sigil but I still, <laughs> still I, don't, I don't
1: trust him <laughs> um, Okay uh, the next the, the only the only other bit to say about this that I've got is um they find out a bit about the size of Mans army, and it seems that he's massing pretty much all the wildlings <laughs> to his side in this brutal place called the Frostfangs, which is this almost inhospitable part of the north. Do you know, what, know what
0: sprang to my mind when he said the Frostfangs? Because it's on the coast, isn't it? I what? instantly thought Blackpool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Sunny <laughs> Frostfangs. Wildlings on the big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I doubt there's a booming. time. mind you though. Put up a
0: big wooden um, roller coaster and watch the money roll in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but John considers here the fact that um, there are 300 rangers. They've got th- their mm. strength is 300 oh. members of the Night's Watch. And they're riding out against this Everybody innumerable host um, which is massing, yeah, and y- it just really sets it up where you're thinking this is this yeah. might be the end of the night 's watch, because it, it, this it seems almost insurmountable obviously they'll be mm. better trained, you'd imagine, but at the same time, this sheer strength of numbers is going to mean this is going to be a real. A really yeah, dangerous yeah, battle absolutely, to fight. Absolutely. Um, I mean, what, what 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 do you think um, the um, the thinking behind this is with the Lord Commander? Do you, is it would it not be wiser, as some of the people who are still at the wall suggested, for the Lord Commander to, to, to wait on the wall? You've got something uh, this yeah. massive defensive structure, and that's the place you fight your battle. Why is he riding? Excellent anything? question and uh, I don't really know what that is 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 it possible that he's
0: just got so freaked out by this zombie nearly killing him that he's like I can't sit here and wait anymore and and that this is actually an old man an old serious badass starting to lose it a little bit Um, because you're right because there's I mean why not just stay why not say right we've got rangers beyond the walls everybody out there chop down trees for five miles from the wall and use them to rebuild the wall which I've also been worrying about why have you taken all of your best fighters away from this thing that it's your job to protect it's not your job to conquer the north Yeah, it's your job job to defend the wall
1: yeah the the, the only reason I can think behind it would be that um, the wall's so big that if this massive host appears at a part of it which isn't well defended it could be over before they can even get there. oh that's interesting do you know what I mean um, if they start, if, if people are scaling it because it will take, take days yeah. to get to parts of the wall so he wants to go out and so, prevent
0: I mean, the attack before it starts
1: risky yeah it. I mean it's, it's I suppose it's a yeah it's a way it's a desperate move to sort of um, to find a way of dealing with overcoming the odds that he's got because I suppose if you have these 300 men spread out over several hundred miles of wall it's, it's harder to, de- it, 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 despite the fact you've got the advantage of the wall, yeah. it's harder to defend. It's 700 foot high. It's,
0: do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, <laughs> at the bottom, it must be so unbelievably thick. It's not like you can turn up with a hairdryer and sort of melt it. <laughs> <The> Blow <laughs> I just got a wonderful image of one of those, somebody, somebody with a lighter, a cigarette lighter, but not a normal cigarette lighter, one of those ones that sends out quite a, quite a blue flame, roaring blue flame, just holding it at the bottom, like, any minute now.
1: Look, that's the end of um, this enormous part of our coverage of Game of Thrones. Um, Next week, we are looking at Garden. uh, The the next, the next stage of the book is called Garden of Bones. Um, We're going to read from the next chapter, which is about Theon, which begins. She was undeniably a beauty. Very, very Theon thing to say. Um, As far as page four five one in the paperback, which is a chapter about Caitlin, which begins, it was full dark before they came upon the village. So that is where you stop reading for next week. So it's from this next chapter about Theon, as far as page 451, Caitlyn, it was full dark before they came upon the village. Easy as that. Easy as that. And the only other thing to say is feedback. If uh, if you've got anything to say about the, the Clash of Kings or about the podcast, Get your thoughts into shark liver oil Podcast at gmail.com. That's shark liver oil Podcast at gmail.com. Um, or you can tweet us at sharkliveroil and we'll, uh, we'll read it out on the cast. Enjoy uh, the next 100 pages that we're getting through for next week.
0: Epic pace.